Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Uh. Yeah. All right, what's up? Welcome in GC Live Friday, rolling right along. 24 hours until kickoff. South Carolina, Missouri, about, let's see, what, 25 and a half hours to be exact. But before we know it, you'll be watching your Gamecocks and Missouri Tigers. This is our Friday episode, which means it is final preview of South Carolina's upcoming opponent. Gamecocks, um, I'm sure, already on the way there right now. Um, Again, as always, brought to you by our buddy Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. If you're in the market for a home, you're going to need somebody to walk you through this process of finding a great mortgage rate. I know the rates aren't great in general right now, maybe compared to a couple of years ago, but still, if you need to buy a house, call Clint. He's going to walk you through this process and give you all your options. ClintHammond.com. Appreciate everybody. See some uh, names I recognize there. Gamecock Ryan, Justin Thomas, Travis Edwards um, weighing in. By the way, new rule on GC Live. If you're going to weigh in and uh, say to fire a coach, then you have to also know the last name of the coaches on staff. So you are you are not allowed to say that Travian Robinson should be the interim coach. So brand new rule. We have just implemented that. Chris, will you vote yes to Did my, you put that? Uh, I was gonna say that was that seemed to be not democratic, Wes, but I'll tell you what, I will go with it. Okay. I'll, I, I'll, I'll I'm gonna throw it here. out there. You can uh yay or nay it. How about that? Uh, no. Yeah, hey. 
you're driving this bus, man. Even the if Yates you have to it. Say, that's 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 just how we're gonna do it. But yeah, that's, that's the only clear. rule. That's the okay. only rule we've ever put wow. in. So, um. Anyway, welcome in. Hope y'all are well. Big game, obviously, for the Gamecocks. And so we're going to do something a little bit different today, and that is that we're, we have a guest to talk about Missouri, kind of. So um, it, it didn't really work out to have our traditional live guest, but what we do have is Power Mizzou's Gerard Hamilton was on with Tyler Head. As most of you know, we have an agreement with 107.5. We're on 107.5. So we have basically, with permission, taken the interview from 107.5. And we're going to play it here shortly. And uh, it's about 10 minutes, but it's going to give you that from the other side kind of view. Uh, I've listened to part of it. Very, very good. Good insight. The guys at Power Mizzou, uh, they're on Rivals where you know we used to be, but they do a fantastic job. I was listening to their preview podcast earlier today to kind of try to get an, an idea of, of where their heads are at on this game as well. So you are going to hear from them here shortly. But, Chris, I did think it was kind of interesting listening to them kind of banter back and forth. Gabe DeArmond said there is a sense in Missouri right now that maybe the fans themselves are overlooking South Carolina a little bit just from the chatter there. I think they have a bye next week and then Georgia. So you don't really have the classic trap game like, hey, you're sitting here with one loss and you got Georgia on deck. You, you're coming off of a huge win. That that would be a classic like, hey, you know, sound the alarm. This could be a trap. But there are some parallels here actually to – inverse of this game last year and I thought that was a very interesting point you remember this time last year South Carolina I mean I remember the story on the beginning of that week South Carolina officially in the top 25 and it was this is a top 25 football number 24 I think yep yep and Missouri rolls into Columbia also for a mid-afternoon game on SEC Network their season, they're sitting there three and four. You got people upset. Um, you know, this season's going in the you know what. And then they come into Columbia. They have a great game plan. They execute. They go about their business. And South Carolina just kind of, it just didn't feel right. You know, they didn't execute to the level they had before. I, I don't know if that means a thing this week. But their their point was, hey, guys, it, it's sports. Like, Missouri probably has a better team, but is it going to be some monumental upset if South Carolina comes in and wins? Probably not. I actually would love, and I'm sure I can get, find it fairly quickly, I wonder what the line was last year. I, I bet the line this year is a little bit bigger. If I remember right, I think it was maybe – three and a half, four, four and a half, something like that maybe last year. That's a complete shot in the dark. But there are some very strange inverse parallels this year. I totally agree. And, look, I do think that Missouri is the better team, like you said, Wes. Won't bury the lead on that. Um, But some people have pointed out, hey, South Carolina has played an incredibly difficult schedule. And that is absolutely true. This is a banged-up team. 
that's played a difficult schedule. Uh, Missouri has not played as difficult a schedule, Wes, and you kind of go up and down their roster, not their roster, their schedule, right? And it, and it's interesting to look at because they are 6-1. and one. But they beat South Dakota. They beat Middle Tennessee by four at home. Had a good win over a good Kansas State team in overtime. 61, or not in overtime, 61 yard field goal to win. They beat Memphis in St. Louis by seven. Take care of Andy. End up taking care of Kentucky on the road in a game that was a one point game in the fourth quarter. And sandwiched in between that was their one loss, which was in Columbia, Missouri, to the LSU Tigers in a shootout, 49 to 39, gave up a lot of yards. So it's not fair to say that this team, this Missouri team has not been tested. They've been tested. They've played Kansas State. They've played a couple solid G5 teams, right, or a solid G5 team. They played LSU. They played Kentucky, a couple top 25 teams, and they've split those games, right? So – I don't know. Some people have taken it a little bit too far saying that, you know, we're, we're crowning Missouri, giving them their flowers, whatever. I'm not, but they are a good team. Um, Wes, the line surprised me a little bit on this one. I thought it'd be a little bit more in the favor of Missouri, to be quite frank, with it being on the road and with where both these teams are. Does Vegas know something? Odds are probably they do. Um, so interesting matchup. And I do think those parallels are interesting, right? I mean, Missouri feels really good right now. South Carolina does not. Last season, Missouri was pretty bleh, right? I like I remember Missouri. I remember following Missouri last year, coming into Williams Bryce, Brady Cook, their quarterback, had been kind of meh. He ended up having a nice, conservative but solid performance. No touchdowns, no picks, but did a good job administering the offense. And the Gamecocks were absolutely listless. And so I think Missouri's going to try to avoid that. And South Carolina's going to try to play their best game and try to force them into that listless type of performance. Yeah. Bill Anderson, what's up, Bill? Good to hear from you, man. Bill getting on us for, I mean, our, our picks are already on Gamecock Central. So there's no hiding the picks at this point till the end of the show. But, um, said he's proud of intern Joe for still being believing in the Gamecocks. Um, I mean, and, Hey, Bill, I, we've picked them to beat – you picked them to beat Florida, right, Chris? I picked them to beat Florida. Against my better judgment, I picked them to beat Tennessee. So, I mean, at this point, it's not about believing in them or not believing them. It's just about me trying to pick the game correctly. Right now, on paper, I, I just – I don't think it sets up well for, for Missouri. There's a reason Missouri – or for South Carolina against Missouri, there's a reason that they're just over a, a touchdown favorite in this game on paper you do give Missouri the edge. And so that doesn't mean South Carolina can't go win it. This is sports. I really – picks, to me, mean nothing. Like, absolutely, literally nothing. It's a discussion piece, in my opinion. But there are some things that I, I think you look at this Missouri team. Dude, it's a little bit, I would say, not alarming. It's a – it, it should it should sound the alarm for you as a South Carolina fan when you look at some of the the talent that Missouri is starting to accumulate, and you know we're we're used to them having some defensive guys. We're used to Missouri having you know some 
like developing defensive guys over the years and maybe a player here or there on offense. But I mean, they're there. We've talked about this all week long on the 107.5 show. They have a legitimate five-star talent in Luther Burden. And they have some, they've, they've gone with the transfer portal with Theo Weiss. They've gone the under the radar D2 transfer route with uh, Cody Schrader. So, it's not that they just went out there and signed a top five class, but this is one of the more talented Missouri offenses that we have seen in a while. And guess what, guys? Ryan Wingo, who is a highly, highly recruited wide receiver, has an offer from the Gamecocks. Let me check just to be sure what he is on on three. Let's see. Shouldn't be this hard. I can just tell y'all he's way, 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 way up there. Absolute stud. Has an offer from the Gamecocks. Um, yes, he is a, a five-star from the own three industry ranking, which, as you all know, probably know, sort of uh, combines everybody with a weighted average. He's deciding next week. Guess what? The, Missouri's the favorite to add him to their receiver room as well. So, you know, I, I think for them – or for South Carolina fans, you want to talk about NIL, you want to talk about recruiting, you want to talk about who you have to battle on a yearly basis. It is one thing to battle and be like, man, Georgia, Georgia's a program. You're going to need South Carolina to, to have one of those like upswings where every few years you hope it kind of just all adds up for you. Missouri is a program we all think of like, oh, South Carolina should beat Missouri. South Carolina should have more talent than Missouri. I think it sounds the bells a little bit that I'm seeing Missouri with all this talent, and that's another team you play all the time. Yeah, and, and Andy Hall, appreciate you weighing in, Andy. But he he says better development and coaching, and I, and I assume he means that Missouri has that. Um, I mean, that that is a fair point to make. Um, maybe some people argue no. I mean, certainly Missouri has gotten the better of South Carolina in the series. And Wes, I look at the game last year. I thought Missouri had a better game plan. I thought they executed that game plan very well. We'll we'll see what happens this season. And they, Drinkwitz and his staff have done a really good job. But I think when we say things like that, we are at some point sometimes kind of ignoring that Missouri has done really well in recruiting. They have been very aggressive in NIL, and they didn't start it yesterday. Like, that's the thing. I, I've seen some stuff online in regards to the notion of how well Missouri and Kentucky are doing in NIL and in recruiting and on the field. Some people said, well, you know, they're they're putting out a good product, so people are giving. People are, you know, participating in NIL. No. Missouri went 6-7 and seven in 2021 and 2022. And they still started working on a on a creative state law that is helping them keep talent in state. They started participating more in NIL. Do you think they got Luther Burden without NIL packages? Right. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but you don't pull a five star receiver from St. Louis against every other school in the country without being able to have some type of robust NIL plan. You don't keep that person on your roster while you're going six and seven without it. And so They've done a really good job on that front. So I think it's it's fair to say they have done a really good job of developing players and coaching their players. 
But let's not lose sight of the talent. Mookie Cooper, Ohio State transfer, was a big-time four-star prospect. Luther Burden, five-star. Theo Weiss, former five-star. And so they do have a mix of some lower-ranked guys that are playing really well, but they also have more talent than you would think on this football team. Wes, we, we publish star power every week, kind of has some rankings breakdowns. I think if you go check that piece out, you, probably, you might be surprised um, by, by some of the guys that Missouri has on the roster. Yeah, they, they have talent, man. And uh, the development is like – people talk about development. I, I know what that means on an individual basis, but it is very, it's very hard to put into – uh, practice and well, hey, does this team develop more than that team? What's the baseline talent for all these guys in terms of South Carolina? You, me, everybody on this chat is paying more attention to every single player on the South Carolina roster than you are to anyone on someone else's roster. So, what what does development even mean when you're trying to compare without complete data? And is development NFL? Well, what's the baseline talent on the guys that are first-round picks? They're probably pretty good. Um, it, is it not development when you take Jalen Foster and Darius Rush, who, um, you know, we're not really playing much at all on defense with another staff, and we're playing um, huge roles for South Carolina? Is it not development to say that you've taken a guy in Xavier Leggett and brought him along? Now, it's been at the end of his career. So, like, well, I don't, I don't really know if development, like, development is a buzzword. I don't really know what that means in terms of like actually comparing one program to another. And how long do you give someone to develop? Like, how, what what time window are we putting on this, man? Like, I, I just think it's an easy thing to blame. But yeah. well, and I and I think the. What we what we point to normally is if a staff is having success with wins and losses, we say they do a great job of coaching and developing. Now, odds are they probably do, right? But it kind of takes the talent part out of the equation. Um, now, that's not to say, Wes, like the gap between Missouri and South Carolina is not like Georgia and South Carolina. Not, not projecting that, right? But there is a gap, at least at some positions. And college football is still a talent game. Kirby Smart is a great coach. He was a great defensive coordinator, an assistant coach, DB coach. He's a great head coach. He said the other day, I think I said this on, on the program the other day, keep repeating it. People want to be coaching gurus and talk about how certain coaches are gurus. So at the end of the day, it's about getting great players. right? And so the, the best college football teams every year have the best players, bottom line. Coaching and development are, are always secondary to that, always. And they're very important. They are very important. But your, your talent is always going to be your baseline, right, in, in college football, really, really in any sport. You need all of those elements. But it, it starts with, it starts with uh, the talent acquisition. That's why we talk about so much about recruiting. I saw so many Gamecock fans follow recruiting and are so excited about some of the guys they're bringing in and disappointed when they lose out on certain guys, right? Yeah, and I think, man, your your talent level, it kind of sets your ceiling. Like, it, it sets what your potential is a, as a team. Now, if you have talent, and let's say you're, let's say you're Georgia, um, you're Michigan, 
you're Ohio State, you're Penn, you're one of these teams fighting for you're already like a top eight. You're fighting for the crown. You're fighting for a championship. That's where I think game day coaching, development, game planning. If the talent is that close, then that's maybe where you find out who who gives that little edge, who finds that margin, um, that margin sort of boost, basically, that can give you a, a win or a loss in, in those situations. But your ceiling as a team and as a program is going to be highly limited without getting elite talent. You can't just take a team full of not as talented guys and just poof, magic. I think Dow Loggins likes to say the magic wand. You can't just wave the magic wand and uh, all of a sudden be a better football team. So, um, anyway, hey, let's go to this Power Mizzou interview, and then, Chris, we can react to it. But let's see. First, do you want to tell everybody about our friends at Bird Dogs? I think you had – did you have your your Bird Dogs uh, cup? Yep. Good call, Wes. You noticed it. You took took notice of it. The Bird Dogs cup is absolutely outstanding. Wes, I enjoy all the bird dog stuff. The cup that I got now, it's a different deal now. Use the promo code Game Flask. Okay, the Hydro Style Flask, Hydro Flask Style bottle. Bottle. There you go. I'll spit it out eventually. Birddogs.com. It's not a flask. <laughs> Hydro Flask Style Water. Yeah, which bottle. is what I. Yes, it's not a flask. <laughs> Birddogs.com slash Gamecocks, or just go to Birddogs.com, do your shopping, put in the promo code Gamecocks. You can get a free gift with your order. Wes, as you know, I wear out the bird dog shorts. They've gotten the liner, super comfortable inside, look good on the outside, super comfortable all day. I'm wearing them right now. It's getting colder, so it's almost time to transition to the pants that bird dogs has hooked us up with. So go check those out. Shorts, pants, the hat's really cool. Wes, you're a big fan of the shirt. Birddogs.com slash Gamecocks or birddogs.com, and use the promo code Gamecocks. Check them out. Yeah, check them out right now. And we are going to check out this interview again. This is a little bit different than what we normally do. This is 107.5 The Games, Tyler Head with Power Mizzou's Gerard Hamilton. We're going to play that interview now, and then when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk about it, say what we learned, final picks, final thoughts, keys to victory, all that stuff and more. But until then, here's Tyler Head with Power Mizzou's Gerard Hamilton. I had along with you on this Wednesday morning, halfway through the week, inching closer and closer to the Gamecocks being back in action this Saturday as they head on the road to the other Columbia to take on the 6-1 and one Missouri Tigers kickoff at 3.30. Uh, you, of course, can listen to all the local pregame coverage starting at 10.30 with Gamecocks game day uh, from 10.30 until 12.30, leading you into network coverage from 12.30 until kickoff. To get more insight into this Missouri Tigers program, I want to welcome to the show Gerard Hamilton, who is uh, with Power Mizzou and Rivals.com. Gerard, first of all, thank you so much for taking a few minutes of your time this morning to give us some insight. Uh, I got to ask, first off, how surprised are you about this team's record through seven games? Um, it's a little surprising. Uh, for the season, I had them going seven and five. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people thought, including myself, thought they would lose to Kansas State, you know, in the preseason, thought they would lose to Kansas State, LSU, Kentucky was also, was, you know, kind of a 
toss up, depending on who you ask. That was probably I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure I probably said that was a loss. So six and one probably wasn't what I was thinking. I was probably thinking more like four and three going into this game. Um four and three or five and two. I was thinking there's a possibility that they can beat Kansas State based on quarterback play and, you know, a little couple question marks I had there, but I probably would have told you in August uh, four and three at this point. So it's a little bit of a surprise. I'm sure you didn't see a 61-yard game-winning field goal coming against Kansas State either, did you? No, especially, you know, around that time, the special team struggles that have still persisted to this point. But, you know, they had missed a few kicks, you know, in the first couple games, Harrison Mevis preseason All-SEC second-team selection. Um, He's just a couple years removed from making 92% of his field goals, and he's kind of struggled uh, the last couple years. He's really struggled this year. So uh, when it was time to make a 61-yarder, I think earlier in that game he had missed maybe a 50-something yarder. It was just kind of like, well, we'll see about this one. But they they got the hole down and everything, and, I mean, he got it in there. It was – it was crazy. I've never seen I've never seen a, a kicked out far in person, and I've never seen uh, people storm the field in person. So it was an interesting sight. Absolutely. Again, talking to Gerard Hamilton from Power Mizzou and uh, Rivals.com, there were a lot of questions coming into the season revolving around this team. And I go back to even listening to some of Eli Drinkwitz's press conferences in the days leading up to the first game of the season where he really didn't know who his quarterback was going to be this season. And there was the plan to play both Brady Cook and uh, and Sam Horn. But uh, once the season got rolling, Brady Cook took the reins and has not released him and has gone on to have a pretty solid season overall, just over 2,000 yards through uh, seven games, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. And, uh, you know, speaking of that Kansas State game, I believe that was the game where he was getting booed by a lot of the fan base and uh, the pregame intros that, uh, you know, Eli Drinkwitz did uh, did take uh, issue with. But it seems like Brady Cook's playing with a chip on her shoulder and playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, the, the booing, many fans would say, oh, man, it was only a certain selection or blah, 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 and all that stuff. And that's probably right. But it was still kind of tough to hear, I guess. Well, I didn't hear, but when Drink said it after the game and Brady kind of acknowledged it, it was just like, dang, that's rough. Because it was before the game. Like, nothing even happened. He played well versus uh, in his, you know, one half versus Dakota in the opener. And then MTSU, where there were some struggles by the entire team, really. Um, but you just knew there wasn't really too much of a reason to boo besides, you know, those people wanting to have their pick at quarterback play, and that just didn't happen. But, yeah, he's been he's been on fire. There's just been a lot different. Uh, you can see a lot of change in him from, you know, this point last year versus this year. He's reading the field better. Um, last year it seemed like he would – look at one read and then instantly start trying to run, reading the field better. He happens to have better, you know, offensive line play. It was very, it's not good last year. It's not good. The pass blocking has improved. It helps to have Luther Burden be one of the, you know, top receivers in the country. They also got a kind of a full assortment of, of receivers now to kind of match what they want to do. And then Kirby Moore coming in from Fresno State to be the offensive coordinator. I think everything is just going right. Uh, with Brady Cook as far as him improving and some of the pieces around him improving and being a little bit more developed this year. 
uh, mentioning that trio of receivers with Burden, Weiss, and Cooper and, and kind of taking a look at South Carolina's struggles in the secondary, I got to imagine this team and the offense specifically is, is licking their chops at the potential of these matchups on Saturday because as we saw, Florida came in here and you know threw it all around the yard. Uh, Mississippi State did that a couple weeks back. Like South Carolina is definitely having some struggles when it comes to the pass defense. Yeah, Drake told us yesterday, as he probably should, that, you know, um, they're not paying attention to the stats and things like that. And South Carolina has had a hard schedule, so it's not, you know, it's not like they're losing to to cupcakes. However, stats over, what, seven games, they show trends. So I would... I would love to counter Eli and the players with, I know you're saying these are just stats and you're not looking at them and that's right. But at the same time, do you also want to be the team that the team is 121st or something like that in pass defense or, or whatever it may be? Do you want to be the one team that gets shut down by that? You're supposed to have an explosive passing, a passing attack and things like that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky, or South Carolina takes a, page of Kentucky's playbook tries to limit the deep ball because Kentucky just forced them to go underneath pretty much the whole game <clears throat> and dink and dunk its way down the field. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I would definitely think, you know, behind closed doors, maybe drink and, and Curry more thinking, okay, I think we can kind of open some things up and get those explosive players going. Uh, on the injury front, uh, I was reading some things coming away from the Kentucky game this past weekend that Cody Schrader, who went out there and had 20 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown, uh, maybe dealing with some injury issues and, and maybe got a little bit overworked. What's the what's the latest that we know about him? Uh, Cody Schrader, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, he's been dealing with a quad issue for at least at least three weeks or something like that. To our knowledge, um, that's that's at least when he first said something about it. Um, he's been playing through it. Actually, been playing pretty well. He's been a little limited in some things, but I mean, he had 20 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown uh, at practice. He wasn't wearing a non-contact jersey. I do expect he'll play. He'll probably show up on the injury. Well, coach told us specifically about him that he would be questionable. I'd expect him to play. Um, he did also say that he didn't finish the game last week, which no one would have figured because down the stretch, Missouri is up 14 to 17 points. So we were thinking they were giving the Nathaniel Pete the second running back, so you know, giving him some burn just just to kind of save Trader. But we didn't know it was more so if he couldn't finish the game. Uh, that'll be one to watch for. But I think he'll he'll be all right. Uh, going back to the Kentucky game this past weekend again, we're talking to Gerard Hamilton from uh, PowerMizzouAndRivals.com. Missouri finds themselves down 14-0 in the second quarter of that game. They pull off this miraculous fake punt for a touchdown. The route was on from there. And while the game as a whole was not maybe the best performance of the entire season, what does it say about this team that they found a way to storm back and win that game when maybe they didn't have their best night up there in Lexington? Uh, Definitely much more mature team. It's what I got from... Darius Robinson, who was named the SEC Defensive Player of the Week for his play, um, he just said, like, this time and maybe last year and, the, uh, you know, other iterations of the team in the few years he's been here, that if they get down 14-0, you know, some guys on the field become, you know, you're not able to talk to them. 
Maybe some guys are moping, the energy's negative or whatever. And they were down 14-0, basically slept walk through the whole first quarter. And, you know, they needed something. They knew they just needed some energy. Obviously, that fake punt by Luke Bauer to Marquise Johnson kind of gave them the energy, and they just knew there was a lot of game left. So you kind of see a maturation of the team and know that, like, they're kind of together. Um, it's, it's big time that they can be down 14 on the road at night. Elements were a little bit at play. There was some rain that would come and go, and then they were up. They were able to win by 17. And they also did all that with Luther Burden basically being – uh, limited, you know, as far as his statistical output, two receptions for 15 yards and only one carry for six yards. It kind of shows that this team is developing because a year ago, again, they'd, it'd be really hard for them to get back in this game, not only because of maturation, but just on the field play. They, it's, it's 14 points isn't a big deficit anymore, but at the same time, if, if it kind of snowballs, um, obviously it can get worse. And if you're not mentally prepared for that, then, you know, that's how you lose those games. So it's a big thing that they kind of bounce back, especially considering LSU did the same thing to them last week. Missouri got off to a great start with three straight touchdowns in their first few possessions, um, had a 15-point lead in the second quarter, and then they ended up losing by double figures. So to kind of reverse it back was a big thing for them. Uh, last one here, got right about 60 seconds. Uh, you mentioned playing LSU a couple weeks ago. Obviously, Jaden Daniels, one of the best quarterbacks, not only in the SEC, but in the country, presented a lot of challenges for Missouri's defense. Spencer Rattler playing some really good football this year. Uh, obviously, the record at 2-4 and four does not necessarily reflect that, but he's uh, played very well this season. What kind of challenges does he present to this Missouri defense on Saturday? Um, Missouri's defensive line has had troubles containing quarterbacks and letting them escape for, you know, games or whatever. And that's, it doesn't sound like much, but it, sometimes they've had some like back breaking ish type plays because they've got something good. They'll contain or they'll like push up the pocket. And next thing you know, quarterback is scampering right up the, you know, right through the middle of the line getting some yardage after that, you know. So that Spencer, you know, he's athletic. He can run. He's got a heck of an arm. Um, and he's a talented guy. And, you know, another offensive line has struggled. He can get some offensive line play. Um, and he has time to throw the ball. This offense is one of the best in the country. I think I've seen they were maybe 13th or 15, top 15 in passing offense. So uh, that's something they don't. Missouri doesn't want to play with. I mean, they're second, or not their secondary, but most specifically their safeties. Right. Uh, it's an all right week last week, but Missouri safeties have struggled in, you know, zone coverage and man coverage. And a person like Spencer Rattler, who has the army, as the talent he does, when he's on right. and he's making those plays downfield, that can really, you know, burn the, the safeties. A- absolutely. Uh, i got to run into a timeout here. Gerard, thank you so much for uh, taking a few minutes of your time and uh, excited to see what happens this weekend in Como. All right, yeah, that, so again, that was uh, Gerard Hamilton, PowerMazoo.com over on the Rivals Network, hanging out with Tyler Head on 107.5. Appreciate Tyler for letting us borrow that interview. And uh, you know what, Chris? The things you get from either listening to the podcast from the sites of the guys that are just covering 
what would the word be like a granular granular basis like the the just little tiny details or having them on that little nugget about hey the safeties have struggled a little bit in pass coverage um listening to power mizzou and their final preview before we hopped on here they said linebacker play at missouri this year has not been quite up to par with what you traditionally expect from them this defense as good as this offense has been for them, the defense has maybe taken a little bit of a step back this year, which, you know, I think to kind of bring that forward to this particular game kind of gets us back onto that conversation from a South Carolina perspective of if you can give Rattler some time to to go do his thing, maybe there's the ability to go make some plays against this Missouri defense. And then, also, just the idea of can you take it on the road? South Carolina's point totals at home versus on the road have uh, been pretty stark in their differences. They've been very stark. And, you know, I think this will be a, a good environment at Missouri West. Pretty good. Will it be like what South Carolina saw against Georgia? Will it be like that night game at Neyland? No, I don't think so. And so – it's really hard to put your finger, in my opinion, on why it's been so different. It could honestly be something as simple as just sometimes the offensive line struggling with communication and crowd noise, and and I think yeah. it could literally be as simple as that. It could be that plus some other factors of, of varying weights. So that that obviously is the key, right? That's the starting point. Can can you play well enough up front while you're missing Vershawn Lee? to kind of stymie a Missouri defense that, yeah, they lost a couple guys from last year's really good defensive line, but they still have some talent. And they've still got some guys in the secondary that are really solid, that have played uh, a good bit of football. Chad Bailey, one of their starters at linebacker, is is probably out for this game, it looks like, Wes. But my understanding is, uh, you know, he had somebody that kind of basically passed him, right? And so a little bit of instability there. You can see a, a few things here and there, a few, I guess you could say, warts for this Missouri team. But the question is, as always, you know, can South Carolina find a way to take advantage of some of those things? Yeah, man, for, for sure. And I, I think part of that conversation is what you said, no Vershawn Lee. Like I, I look at last week and I, I do think it's worth mentioning some of the home versus road splits for South Carolina's offense is that I really felt like they were in the process of finding their running game. Like, I, I do think this running game has kind of improved as the year has gone on. Game one is when you're facing North Carolina, when the offensive line struggled the, the most they have this year. Then you look at going to Georgia, you know that's always going to be tough. There were some issues with miscommunication that we saw actually – you can prove it because you had false starts and uh, you know, guys um, maybe just not getting off to getting off the ball quickly. And so, you know, Tennessee, I thought there were some issues with crowd noise that were just apparent by how the offensive line reacted. Other issues with being on the road. Is it just that, Hey, this is when South Carolina was playing those games. This is who they were playing in those games. And, you know, I, I think if, if you told me South Carolina could roll the five out there that they had for the first half last week, you know, I could maybe make a little case for you that, hey, 
it's not really a home versus road thing. It's more of a they've started to find their running game and find a little bit more pass protection for Spencer Rattler. So I think it's, as we always say, man, the ultimate answer is it is all of these things. But for South Carolina, it kind of gets back to can Sidney Fugar continue to make progress? Can he hold his own at right tackle? Beamer mentioned Fugar, mentioned Ja'Kai Moore, mentioned Tyshawn Wanamaker as options at that right tackle spot. Um, my belief is it's probably going to be Fugar again, holding it down. That's who went in there against Florida in the second half. They did still score, you know, in the second half of this game against Florida. So there were drives. But as we know, even when they're at their best, Chris, this is an offense highly built on explosive plays. And, you know, for, for South Carolina, for, for Missouri too, they Missouri likes to rush for, I think, drop back, not take a bunch of chances. And so they really limited South Carolina's explosive ability last year in our Columbia. So can South Carolina take it on the road and find some of those explosives um, at their Columbia? And I'm going to flip that around, Wes. I think South Carolina's got to find a way to not be overly reliant on those explosive plays. You know, they put together drives against Florida. I think they had, what, four or five drives that were, you know, 75 yards. I think one of them was maybe like 66, one of the five. But and, – and and some of those, they, they got it done with some chunk yardage, you know, mm. on those drives. Uh, but one thing that Missouri likes to do, and Eli Drinkwitz pointed this out this week in his press conference, their defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, he likes to dictate things, right? So – if they um, are, are going to play it safer and, and not give up a bunch of big plays, that's what they want to dictate to you, right? So if, you, if you're if you not getting the – if you don't have the ability to make big plays, if the defense is taking away, you know, one-on-ones with Xavier Leggett, one-on-ones with the tight ends across the middle, if they're taking those away, you have to be able to find some other things. And that – honestly, Wes, that's probably going to be their game plan. That's probably going to be more defense's game plan as South Carolina continues. Now, they look, they did a great job at home against Mississippi State and against Florida, but you have to find a way on the road. Something, Wes, and this is going to the offensive side of the ball for Missouri. Gerard mentioned a couple things that stood out to me. And one was, you know, both of them <laughs> don't make you feel better if you're South Carolina. Brady Cook, better quarterback last year than last season. More season, more mature, going through progressions. He can hurt you running, as we saw some last year in this Columbia. Uh, he's making more plays this year. They also beat Kentucky by 17 points while, you know, Kentucky held Luther Luther Burden at bay. Two mm -hmm. catches, one rush, about 20-something total yards, and they still win that game, you know, by 17 points. So, yeah, stopping Luther Burden's a priority but by no means is it the only thing that you have to do for this Missouri offense. Yeah, for sure, man. And I, I'll be very curious to see what, what is South Carolina's game plan this week as much as they have talked about how, um, hey, we play a lot of man defense here. We play a lot of man coverage. That's our identity. Um, you know, are, are you saying that all week long just because you're planning on turning around and playing zone the, the whole game? You know, I don't know if you can go do that, but I know – even without South Carolina struggles defensively, I would be going into this game saying this receiving core you're facing is special. So 
you may, even if you felt great about matching up in man coverage, you're probably going to this game saying we got to have a plan specifically for, for these guys. Do, do you go play some off coverage? I know fans absolutely hate it, but trying to play some type of bend but don't break this week and saying, look, we're going to try to just give up in the low 30s and make Missouri be methodical because Missouri, as as talented as they are, they don't appear to be an overly explosive offense. They're okay being kind of methodical on you. So do you maybe just say we want to limit the damage, be a little bit more conservative? Right now, man, I was trying to pull up um, and kind of go through the breakdown of the yardage South Carolina has played has given up through the air. And what I mean by that, if you go to cfbstats.com, it's one of my favorite stat websites, you can break it down to opponents' long passing plays. And you can go through every type of yardage. Unfortunately for South Carolina, they're giving up, you know, 12th in the league and 10 yards or more passes allowed. Um, they're kind of middle of the pack and 20 yards or more passes allowed. Uh, you start getting to 30, though, 13th, 40 yards or more, 9th, 50 yards or more, last. 60 yards or more, tied for last. So no matter how you break it down, they're just they're giving up too many chunk plays in the passing game. And I think, Chris, there's a little disconnect here in that Beamer and the staff, they're going to look at those plays and, and look at it from a technique standpoint and say, hey, we, you know, we played 86 plays and our guys did the right thing on this play, this play, this play. They're one good technique, one good play from finishing it. And they're going to say we're not far off. Well, that's fair. Then fans are going to just go on ESPN or secsports.com or cfbstats.com, and they're going to pull up at, oh, let me see how my Gamecocks are doing in, you know, passing defense. And they're going to pull it up, and they're going to see, we're allowing 321 yards per game through the air. That's not acceptable. And both sides are true, but you're talking about two different things. So are there some areas where South Carolina is closer than maybe we think? Probably so from a coaching standpoint. But is it fair for fans to be upset that even LSU, who's given up like miles and miles of yards this year, has not given up anywhere close to as many passing yards as South Carolina has given up this year. Yeah, and it's been an issue with, with everything, Wes. We've seen, uh, you know, third down, not being able to get off the field because you get a, a pass a pass that goes just past the sticks or you miss a tackle, as we saw last week. Um, you, you don't cover a guy man-to-man deep like he beats you on a on a one-on-one move and the pass rush didn't get there uh you lose on kind of a 50 50 ball in the air where you're you're there you covered it you play great technique you didn't quite separate the ball from the receiver or you play three deep coverage and you bust the three deep coverage and here comes a deep over route and now you got a long explosive pass play or even another one we that was introduced west last week Ball goes off the receiver's hands, and another receiver from the same team catches it. So it really has been everything for this Gamecocks defense. And 
again, nuance is kind of the word. It can be all those things. Now, at the end of the day, it's results. And so we, it is totally fair to look at it and say not good enough because it is not. And, and the numbers are kind of ugly. And frankly, some of the things we've seen with our eyes have also been ugly. The question is, because South Carolina is not going to say, all right, you know, now we're, um, we're Iowa. We're playing too deep cover, right? Like Phil Parker at Iowa, that's been his thing. They play cover too. They do it really, really well, especially because their offense is horrific. But they're not going to come out this week and say we're exclusively his own team. That, that would be a huge shock, right? You're going to have to man up at some times. How many of these plays down the stretch can South Carolina go and make? With the ball in the air, instead of the receiver coming down with it, can South Carolina turn two of those plays a game into stops? Would probably make a pretty big difference. It would. And I'm I'm just telling you all, though, remember this week, the, the guys on the other side, that matters in the matchup too. And these are yep, these dude. are three or four good ones, man. They are they are really good. So um again, on paper, you, you don't love the matchup. But look, look at the game. If you if you just looked at the score of Missouri's win over Kentucky, you'd be like, "Man, Missouri just went in there and and beat them, just hammered them." If you watch the game, you see Kentucky has a fourteen nothing lead. Missouri, I dare say, if, if Missouri misses on that fake punt, they probably go from what ended up being a three score win to I don't know if they win that game, Chris. You know, so and then what did you say? I I used I watched that game for some background knowledge. I didn't finish the game out. I went maybe through the first half and a little bit into the second. It was a one point game going into the fourth quarter. Is that right? Yes, I I believe that's correct. Somebody can fact check me if that's not true. But I look. I watched one of the um everybody earmuffs YouTube earmuffs. I watched a version on YouTube that um, was not the official broadcast. And they move, so they move things around. Like once you get in the fourth quarter, they show a play with four minutes left, and the next play is like fourteen minutes left. They just move some things around. But I'm pretty sure it was twenty-one twenty going into the fourth quarter. So a weird game, you know. And then and then uh, Missouri ends up obviously pulling away in that one. But strange get down fourteen nothing, fake punt punter skies one up in the air one on one receiver A comes down with it B scores. Start getting some turnovers, things snowball, and you end up winning the game. For sure. And I, I think it was a, a game where just another example of how some late turnovers, really turnovers at any point in a game, can completely skew a, a football game from what it would have been if they kind of played even with, with no turnovers. So what does that tell you? Uh, I think South Carolina, we talked about it earlier, man, have to win the turnover battle, have to win the special teams battle. I did find it kind of interesting where you had Pete Limbo this week talking about how bold Missouri has gotten on special teams, talking about how they are, uh, you know, they're going to attack you now. They're going to run fakes. They've stolen the muddle huddle from Pete Limbo. But, Chris, did you notice Gerard Hamilton said, hey, there's been some struggles on special teams for Missouri this year, which hard to believe. They've got some good personnel uh, returning all-SEC second-team kicker. Luther Burden is your punt returner, but that could be another kind of just, I don't want to say hidden because we talk about special teams all the time, but if you're going to find an advantage in your South Carolina, it's got to be in the turnover battle. 
And it's probably going to have to be from a really nice night on special teams. Yeah. F- finding those advantages and, and being in position to take advantage of them. You, you don't look at it and say, all right, <laughs> you know, you, you feel like South Carolina's strengths is, is DBs and man coverage against their receivers. Like, you don't identify that. So how can you cover that up? How, how can you make enough plays to win? West turnovers is going to be huge. South Carolina away from home. Some weird stat lines on turnovers, by the way. Look at the UNC game. Not a, a true road game, but away from williams Bryce, where they have not been good. They win the turnover battle 2-0. Still lose by multiple scores. Um, you look at the Georgia game. They lose that turnover battle 2-0. Lose the game. Um, you look at the Tennessee game, two to one in the advantage of tennis to the advantage of Tennessee, um, or to the advantage of South Carolina. But your one turnover was a pick six, right? So they've they've kind of again they've kind of had everything in that regard too. The thing I'm comfortable saying, Wes, is I don't think you go on the road to Missouri, lose the turnover battle, and win the game. Just mm. for this South Carolina team, not going to happen. I think not only do you have to play them even in that regard. You have to play them better. Same thing with special teams. Last year, when USC was more dynamic than they have been this year on special teams, even more dangerous, even more consistent, Missouri took that area and played South Carolina even. So on special teams, they just there weren't any big plays by the Gamecocks. That was actually key for them, given their game plan. And so for USC, I think you got to do better than play them even too, Wes. I think you got to make special teams an advantage once again. So. Is that a fake? Is that a block? Is it, um, you know, stopping Luther Burden from being able to field a punt? Is it getting a punt or kick return of your own, right? I think they're going to have to make something happen on special teams. No doubt, man. One other thing real quick to add about the struggle stopping the pass is, Chris, I think some of this has been that the word is out and teams are notoriously going to copy other teams when they have success. I mean, I've never seen a team sort of have be attacked by a slot receiver more than we've seen South Carolina have it happen to them this year. And, you know, you can talk about the struggle stopping the run last year. And you start looking at the numbers, man. Last year's South Carolina defense had teams throw the ball on them 31 times per game, which is sixth in the SEC. So middle of the pack, but skewed towards um, the lesser end of that. You fast forward to now, South Carolina has teams throw the ball on them 38 times per game, which is an absolute insane number when you consider that Kentucky is next in line at 35.6. So that is its last in the SEC is is South Carolina in number of passes that teams are throwing against them. That's the highest number in the league. So teams are saying, look, we're going to have an advantage here, so we're going to just go throw it on them. And that's not – South Carolina, obviously, judging by the record, is not a team that has been up, you know, by huge margins all year long. Sometimes you see that skewed. A team's really good. They're winning a lot of games, so teams have to throw, so that number gets skewed. The fact that teams are throwing on South Carolina more than any other team in the league, I think, means teams are saying this is where our advantage is, which is weird to say, given their struggles against the run 
last year and the year before. Um, they're saying we're going to attack this area until you show you can stop it. Well, and the other thing, Wes, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but college football, the game, there's a few less plays now, right? Is that trend still happening too? So you take the seven, you know, the seven play difference. You say, well, just, just seven more. Really, that you kind of compound that a little bit because mm. you, you have less overall plays in a football game. So if if you're South Carolina, you you look at some of the rushing statistics defensively and you say these look a little bit better. Now that can be like the Florida game was a liar with that, right? Because Florida threw it so much and the statistics were skewed because of you know the end of the game and things like that when Florida was going backwards on purpose. The Mississippi State game, it was a great rushing performance, right? But the consistent thing has been teams are throwing it a lot and they're having a lot of success. Wes, there was actually one. This just popped in my head. I don't think we've mentioned this yet, and I'm going to try to find it on the fly. Uh, SEC Stat Cat, who we reference here on the show a lot, Clark all Brooks, all the time. It's probably going to take me a minute. Oh, here it is. All right, so Missouri's top run and pass concept groups, and the names of them don't matter, right? But take their top run concept, their top pass concept, South Carolina is allowing a 54% success rate in league play trying to defend those very plays, right? So they've had trouble in an area. Missouri happens to major in said area. You would think Missouri's going into this game, and they have noticed that on film, and they're probably going to double down on those concepts. Also, Clark Brooks, the only person on the planet who could give you that stat. Yes, uh, 100%. Thank you, Clark, for um, your service. Clark is a savant. He is amazing. Chris, how about the fact that South Carolina has a first quarter touchdown in every single game this year after doing that only six out of 13 times last year? They they have started better. They have started better, and that has included – road games Mm -hmm. which is you know that that was the that was the achilles heel the first two years wes like when you talked about the road woes the road woes are still there now but the thing that has changed is we were always talking about can you start faster you're going to start faster they've started fine really offensively defensively they have not you know started well and they haven't finished well so this will this is not one, Wes, and I think this is a blanket statement, but I think I've seen enough to say it. This isn't a South Carolina team that's built to say go down 10 nothing, 14 nothing early to Missouri, and now it's time to mount a comeback, right? Mm-hmm. You need to start, you need to play the middle, and you need to finish the game if you're going to have a chance. For sure. And I um, I think, you know, Chris, you said you were, you thought the line would be a little bit bigger. I think part of the reason the line is small is, you know, South Carolina has lost on the road. If you look at the final score, especially, you know, the Tennessee, was it 41-20? Look at that final score. You're like, you know, South Carolina got beat pretty handily. But I, I think if you just look at how those games played out, if you are analyzing the game itself, you can't explain away the pick six. Like, you can't just say, hey, erase that pick six. It Well, if the pick six didn't happen, if you're talking about the game, 
you can't do that. But if you're talking about the team and, you know, if you play 10 times, does Rattler throw that pick six most of the time? Probably not. So you're probably saying, look, South Carolina goes into Georgia, is leading at the half. South Carolina goes into Tennessee. And even though it was ugly at times, should have been hanging right there at the half. Should have been going into the half saying, we got a shot to pull this upset. So all I'm saying, don't be surprised that this game is 17 to 14 somebody at halftime and that it gets decided in the second half. Because regardless of the record and regardless of South Carolina, frankly, you know, kind of getting blown out at times last year on the road, I think this is a team that will hang around. And I think this is a team where Dow Loggins is going to have a pretty good game plan for you on offense to give you a chance to go score early on. So the the question will be, as the game sort of goes along, as Missouri gets a feel for what South Carolina is doing, and I think the biggest thing, as that pressure kind of starts to mount in terms of just pass rush getting home a little bit more, as teams kind of wear down and it seems like pass rush kind of builds as the game progresses, can you hang in there if you're that offensive line without Rashawn Lee? I think will be the difference in a fourth quarter. Hey, South Carolina's got a chance to go win this, or Missouri pulls away, and it's kind of similar to like Tennessee and Georgia by the end, where you're just kind of fighting for your life, basically. So that we're we're out of time here, but my my pick was for South Carolina to lose the game, Chris. But I do think they'll they'll hang in there, and uh, and. Hey, for everybody here's sake, hopefully surprise me. Yeah, I, I do have Missouri winning. I've got Missouri winning by multiple scores, actually. But I'm with you, Wes. I could see this one being closer game. I, I just think Missouri on the road, can South Carolina score some points, hit some plays? Yes. But this Gamecock defense, I think it's it's kind of a prove-it game, prove-it situation for me. Not that they need to prove it to me. But just can you can you play – a really talented receiver core and an offense has got a lot of talent playing really well. Can you reverse some of these trends that we've seen uh, until they do? I've, I've got to pick the Tigers in a situation like this. All right, guys, before we get out of here and uh, get you to your weekend, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Liberty tax, 803-462-5576. Tax time is right around the corner. So whether you're doing your taxes in a couple of months or you've had a lot of life changes where you kind of are a little bit worried about what your taxes are going to look like, you still have time to make some adjustments and kind of get a good plan going into next year. Uh, Give them a call today, 803-462-5576. Three convenient locations in the Columbia area. And our guy, Larry, he's going to take great care of you and going to help you, you know, get through a process that is not fun, but you're going to want somebody who is on your side. They are locally owned and operated. And uh, Larry's a huge Gamecock fan to boot. So um, support Gamecocks who support us here on GC Live. I think that's all I got. What about you, Chris? Yep, sounds good. Hope everybody has a great weekend and enjoys themselves. Yep, for Chris, I'm Wes. Y'all have a good one. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. 
Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.